What's up, guys? Thanks for joining us on another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Curtis. You can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA, or you can email us at GloryUGAPodcast at gmail.com, if that works a little easier for you guys there. Uh, we always welcome the interaction with you, with all of you guys out there, so whatever it takes, Twitter, email, doesn't matter, whatever you got to say, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. So if you listened to the show last week, then you already know this, but we launched on iTunes last weekend, and we posted uh, our very first Friday special edition show. We were calling it a Friday iTunes uh, edition of the show, iTunes exclusive, but we made a little change to that. Uh, We know a lot of you go the Android route and can't really access iTunes, so we also now have the show up on TuneIn and Google Play. So instead of it being an iTunes exclusive Friday show, it's just going to be the Friday special edition show that you can access uh, right now on iTunes, TuneIn, or Google Play. We're in the process of getting it up on Stitcher. That process just takes a little longer than TuneIn and Google Play, so we'll keep you guys updated there. You can download the TuneIn and or Google Play apps to your Android phone and get those Friday special edition shows uh, easily there. So, uh, again, if you have not already, head over to iTunes, TuneIn, and Google Play, whichever one works best for you guys out there, and listen to our first Friday special edition show. And what we did on that one, if you haven't checked it out, is we, we basically previewed the offensive side of the ball heading into spring practice. Uh, a lot of you out there have already helped us out by reviewing us on iTunes, but every little bit helps. So if you get a chance, we would greatly appreciate you reviewing the show on iTunes and or TuneIn, and we definitely appreciate those of you who have already done so. It really does help us, guys. We're trying to expand the show, and any support you can give us will not only be helpful in that regard, but I promise you guys it is certainly greatly appreciated. All right, so with that stuff out of the way, it is Selection Sunday, and uh, kind of anticlimactic for us, though, right, Kurt? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're I mean, obviously you gotta wait till eight thirty Sunday yeah. night to find out which, where we are in the NIT. Yeah, that's becoming the trend, man. What's it now? It's the second year in a row, right? But it feels yeah. more feels a little bit more of a home for us. It feels like it's been more than two years. You know, I guess it was three years ago. Now we made the tournament, but it feels like it's been just a string of NITs after NIT after NIT after NIT. Um, but that's what happens when in eight years you make the tournament twice. So it's kind of anticlimactic for us Georgia guys. But uh, even though we obviously didn't make the cut for the tournament, I still love college basketball. Don't you, Kurt? I mean, college basketball is awesome. I mean, yeah. It's pretty fantastic. Uh, so we, even though we're not in the tournament, we still want to spend the majority of the show looking at the bracket and giving you our take on the tournament. College football is and will always be my true passion in life. I don't know about you, Kurt. For me, it's always gonna be college football is always going to be number one. That will never change. But I love me some college hoops, too. And uh, I watch games every single night of the week, at least during the regular season. And I'm talking closely, guys. Not just like a casually, let's, tune, let's flip on a game here for a few minutes and turn on something else. No, I'm watching games basically all day or all, all week long, every single day. So I'm not sitting here saying I'm not a Jay Billis expert or anything like that. Trust me, I'm not. But I'd like to think I watch enough of it to give at least an educated opinion on it. So we will get there. Uh, but first, this is a, a Georgia podcast, and we're not the tournament. So we want to spend a little bit of time talking about Georgia-specific stuff. And uh, so we want to start by touching on two not-so-positive stories in the world of Georgia football that kind of reared their ugly head over the course of the weekend. And we're, obviously we're talking about the Max Ray decommitment, 2018 offensive tackle. And then, of course, I found out about it early Sunday morning, the Riley Ridley arrest for marijuana possession. We'll get into both those topics. So let's start, But let's start with the Max Ray decommitment, Kurt, that came down the pipe. Uh, on Friday afternoon, late Friday afternoon, kind of as I was getting home from work. So, Kurt, I, I want to start with this question with Max Ray. So, he's a guy that's been committed to us for a while now as a 2018 prospect. He was, he was our, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was our first commitment for the 18 class, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah, I, I think I'm remembering that correctly. And he's also been one of those guys that's pretty, been pretty vocal, pretty vociferous about it. And uh, been all Georgia's from Tennessee, but he's been all dogs since committing. He's been one of those guys out there actively recruiting for us and just being a, a positive uh, force out there for us on social media, wherever it may be. So I guess my first question is, did this catch you off guard? A little bit, yeah. Um, it did. You know, their excuse of we didn't expect his recruitment to blow up, you know, that doesn't really work in my opinion because when he first committed, he still had Alabama, Kip, and all of them coming after him. And, he was sitting there telling uh, uh, Alabama that, you know, Georgia's my Bama. Don't worry about it. Like, don't, you know. Don't worry about stuff. it. Yeah, we're good. Exactly. So my, thing, so my thing of him saying, well, we didn't expect it to blow up like it has, just doesn't truly make sense because they were already after him. 
Yeah, they've been after him for a while. Maybe it's picked up. Maybe the the heat has picked up on it now that we're actually in the 2018 class. Maybe that's something to do with it. But just kind of give you guys some background on what happened. Apparently, you know, he visited Alabama uh, and Clemson on Friday. And uh, I, I imagine this was not a spur-of-the-moment thing. I'm sure it's something he's been thinking about, kind of chewing on for a while. Maybe, who knows, recruiting, you never know. Maybe it just happened over, you know, overnight. I don't know. Uh, but his brother is also a big-time recruit. His younger brother uh, is actually probably going to be a big, uh, more of a big-time recruit than Max is himself. So he's being wooed and courted heavily by some programs out there because he's not committed anywhere right now. Alabama's to Clemson, so on and so forth. So Max decides uh, he's seeing some increased attention, perhaps. And that's the work coming out of his camp. They didn't expect his, like you said, they didn't expect his commitment to blow up like it has. That was the quote. That's the quote that's out there. And now that it's blown up, they want to make sure they're making the right choices for him to to help him basically reach his ultimate goal, which is to play in the NFL. So they're kind of opening things back up to really kind of examine where would be the best landing spot for him to help him get to the NFL and achieve that ultimate goal. So that doesn't hold water for you, though, their explanation? I mean, you can, it can a little bit, but not fully when, I mean... Because these guys, like you said, they are, they've already been after him. Exactly, and it's not like he's just he's one of these three stars that ballooned into a four-star. No, he's always been good. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he ju- he's just slightly outside the top 50 right now overall in the 247 composite rating. I think he's, what, 40, or he's 55 right now overall in the composite ratings. And then, look, we still got a long time to go in the 2018 class. He may jump up, he may drop, who knows. Uh, but So if it's not, if you don't really buy what his camp is saying about the decommitment, what do you? What would you be your guess as to what's behind this? Um, one big thing to me is all right. So we got three tackles in this class right now. Two of them um, elite. Yeah, two of them elite, and um, you don't. There's you never know how Demiri is going to uh, develop, but at the same time, I you know there's two of those offensive tackle spots. I, I envision will be. Commandeered by the two of the three guys for at least three years. Yeah, I mean, right now we're probably going to be plugging in a Juco guy. I mean, well, we don't know yet. He hasn't taken a snap for us. He hasn't had practice one snap for us. But Demarcus Hayes looks like the guy that we recruited as a Juco to come in and play one of the tackle spots right now. Uh, and maybe for the next two years. We'll see how, how it plays out. Maybe uh, Andrew Thomas will come in and be able to take that spot as a true freshman. Maybe. We don't know. Uh, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of guessing and speculating going on there, but there's a really good chance you would say. I would say for the next three to four years, both tackle spots are tied up. Yes. By and some. Not only that, but my second thing is, is we never actually stopped recruiting top offensive tackles in his class either. You know, we talked about how we were only going to take maybe two to three. You know, around three offensive linemen. Well, if that was the case, why are we still throwing out a lot of offers like we are when you know? You have a great chance with um, Salier and um, I, my mind with Blake, the guy from Trey Hill. House, yeah, Trey Hill from Houston County. Yeah. So if you get those two, you have the three you would need. But they kept throwing out offers, so you got to wonder. Also, you know, with Georgia looking for someone better. Okay, well, there's you're right. The offers have been going out, and it's, it's certainly we haven't stopped recruiting offensive tackles. But I guess you can look at it a couple different ways. So is, do you think it's more so us? not being satisfied with Max Ray, maybe trying to find somebody else that we like a little better, or is it maybe just an insurance policy? Because Max Ray, as vocal as he has been, uh, or he was, I guess, as a commitment, saying that, reassuring people, hey, I'm committed to Georgia, Georgia's my Bama, so on and so forth. He's an out-of-state prospect. So was it maybe an insurance policy saying, you know what, I know he's saying this right now, but just in case this guy decides to back up on his commitment. We want to have some guys that we've well, been going I, I think after. it could be a little bit of both. I mean, look, we land two in-state guys, and we were still hungry for a better guy, and we and that hunger led to Isaiah Wilson. So you never know what staying hungry can also lead to. Sure, and I think also, don't. but wouldn't you say the still throwing out offers, even though you have Max Ray committed, and probably only want to take one true offensive tackle in this class, and you had one committed, so why are you still throwing out offensive tackle uh, offers? Do you also think that's just a change in philosophy between Kirby Smart and Mark Rick and how they approach recruiting? I think it is 100%. You never – like, look at Bama. Half the time they take guys that they don't need, but it's play keep away. Yeah, and that's a big part of it. But I just think Kirby is – he's so detail-oriented. And you saw this last year to close out the 2017 class. Yeah, we had some guys that we really wanted that we missed on down the stretch, but – we weren't left holding the bag searching for the Brennan Douglas-type prospect, the Tay Crowder-type prospect that we should never no, have taken in the first place. they had an idea of the guys they want. Right, we took guys that have have a 
that should be on our team. That are SEC caliber players. We weren't taking, like I said, Tay Crowders, who have no business playing the SEC, or Brendan Douglas. God bless you, Brendan Douglas, but not really an SEC caliber running back. We weren't left taking those kind of guys. So I think that's just a change in philosophy here where we're not putting all our eggs in one basket. Yeah, we're, we're glad that you say you're committed, but we also understand you can back off on that at any point. So we want to make sure that we are being active and being aggressive and going after guys um, and not just taking you at your word for it. So hopefully that will pay dividends for us here. Uh, there's some guys, like you said, we've, that we've been offering lately and been going after. There's a guy named, I, I always have trouble pronouncing this, Falele is what I'm going to say. 6'8", 400-pound dude from IMG Academy. Probably needs to drop a little bit of that weight. Um, but still, it's a guy that's kind of come on the scene here. There's another guy, James Onoba, a guy from out of Stockbridge. It's a guy that, that, we've, that we've been after, 6'5", 320. So there's some names out there. But I guess I want to ask you this too. So with Max Ray decommitting, do you think there's any chance that he comes back into our fold. He just kind of wants to open up his recruitment right now for the time being. Just to kind of make is this the kind of thing where he's just trying to make sure that this is the right commit, the right spot for him? I think there is a chance that we uh, secure his re secure his commitment. Like like his dad said on that comment about Kirby. Do you actually see Kirby giving up? And which I don't. No, he's not. Well, if we if we really want him, which that I think we I, I think this will give us a true idea of how badly we want him. Yeah, if you see Pittman and company still making visits and and, and the like, then that, that that should be some evidence as to whether or not we do or don't still have him high on our board. But uh, I look at Max Ray; he's a good player, man. He he's a good player, but I, he's not a make or break guy, right? So I mean, how big of a loss is it losing this this commitment at this point in the 2018 well, I mean, class? It's early on. It's a decent loss because he's been a vocal guy, but at the same time, I think something like that stings worse if he's an in-state guy. It definitely stings worse as an in-state guy, and it also stings worse, and it's also more debilitating if it's later on the process. If this was January and we're talking about a guy that we've had committed for almost two years decommitting, then you're kind of left screaming like, oh my God, what do we do now? Time is short. I mean, it's it's freaking March. Oh yeah, and at the same time, we talked about it before, but um, you also got to think about the fact that we signed. We signed. We technically signed four guys in the last class. Yeah, I think that's part of what Ray's looking at. Like, I don't want to sit here and say that Ray is scared of competition. I don't want to say because I'm not inside the guy's head. Recruiting, there's just no way that they. You only know what what's what the recruits and their families basically put out there, and they only want you to know so much. You only get what they want you to know. Uh, it's just so difficult to really know. You can piece together things from bits and pieces from different sources here and there, but I don't want to sit here and say he's scared of competition. Because look, I mean, if you go to if you end up going to Bama, which he has not committed there at all, but if you end up going to Bama, look, there's going to be competition there too. I, I think Clemson is a place to look out for him and uh, Trevor Lawrence are pretty tight, and their families, from what I understand, are pretty close too. So I uh, I would not be surprised to see that be his landing spot. I think the path to playing time at Clemson right now on their offensive line is a little bit better than the path to playing time at Alabama or at Georgia, because especially for us. And again, I'm not trying to say he's scared of playing time, but it, if, if like his dad said, if his goal is to make it to the NFL. Well, is are we the best spot for him right now? Because there's the thing is, there's gonna be if you want to go to an elite program, there's gonna be talent you have to beat out everywhere. But there's no class separation between who we just signed, all those elite offensive tackles, and his class in 2018. If there's a year of class separation, then you're okay because you have you know you might get two years there to play and to prove yourself. But with no class separation, that's tough. Exactly, he's not gonna have like these guys like Isaiah Wilson, Thomas, and them can have two to three years of film to show the scouts. Well, is that the case for Max Ray? And at the moment, I don't think so because while I think he will be a good a good college player, he's not. I don't. I do not see him as one that's going to play right away because he needs to put on a lot of weight. Yeah, he's got a great. You're right. He's got a. And that's another thing I want to talk about. Like, it's how good of a prospect is he? Because he's got a great frame. He's got. He's long. He's six six. And he's about two eighty five right now. He, he and he when he committed, he was like two fifty five. Like he was basically a tight end, but he's put on a good 25, 30 pounds, which is at 280, but he's still 6'6", 280, 285. Is, this guy needs a, probably needs a redshirt season. Yeah, I would say so, and if that's the case, I mean, you're, you're not going to, then you're not, it doesn't look like you're going to beat out the top guys right away. And, it's, and it's they, already ha- they already have a year on you, so exactly. if, if they have a year on you like and you Fromm. redshirt, you're going to be sitting, man. It's like Fromm, you know, while I think Fromm's going to be good, a redshirt year might do him best. And if that's the case, then, you know, that would give Eason a – like you're trying to beat Eason out when he'd go for his third year starting as a quarterback. And that's going to be the same case offensive line. When, you're, when you've are when got experience in SEC play and different things like that, it's hard to compete with that. Yeah. 
All right. So at the end of the day, big loss. I think it's. I think time will tell. I don't. I. Like you said, the timing makes it to where it's it's overcomable. Yeah. I. I it, it will. Like you said, I think time will tell. It, with recruiting, time will always tell. You never really know until you see it on the field. But I'll just say this: when I heard the news, I wasn't torn up about it because I feel. I was surprised a little. Bit I was surprised, but not torn up. Like, is that fair to say? I mean, I just. I, I feel really good about the guys that we got last class in 2017. I think they're going to be. I think these guys are going to be booking tackles for us for the next three to four years. Isaiah Wilson, Andrew Thomas, maybe De'Anthony Demery as well. Who knows? Um, so look, you always want to stack. I mean, that, that's the thing. You want to have. You want to stack. You have to be an elite program. You have to stack recruiting class upon recruiting class upon recruiting class. You got to build that depth, build that competition. So you want a guy like Max Ray, but losing him at this point in March. That, that, that's not a killer, man. Not even close. No, like, like we're saying, like his dad said, do you think Kirby will give up? No. If Kirby doesn't give up, there's still time. You know, it's one of those where it's not It's not at the end where it's hard to overcome it with just even trying to re-get him, re-secure his commitment. Yeah, we got time, man. And, and if we don't end up getting him back, we'll, I'm sure we'll find a service replacement to come in there as well. So I, I, right now is not time to I freak mean, out about at it. At the same time, while he was the one to decommit, you don't know how much uh, – you don't know what was going on behind the scenes with our coaching yeah, staff. There may be a lot of interest from people that we never expected to get interest from. Well, I've all and look. I can't verify this at all, like zero percent. I cannot verify this, but I've just I've heard some smoke around the idea that we actually approached Max about the possibility of potentially moving inside, considering who we signed last class in the 2017 class to play tackle for us. We approached him about the possibility of maybe playing inside. I don't know if that's true. I've just heard that in a few from a few different sources. So if that if that did indeed happen, I could see him be like, "Whoa, I I want to be a tackle. That's that's the money making position. That's where I see myself long term trying to get into the NFL." And so when we approach him about that possibility of playing inside a guard, it's kind of like, "Whoa, let me back off." That. I don't know. Have you heard of that at all? Not like you have, but I mean, even going off the recruiting that uh, so, like all the recruiting boards, most of them, you know, it's not one of those where it's like everyone's freaking out, really. Right? I mean, there's, there's no reason to freak out about. It. I mean. Look, the time for hand ringing is is January, February, the, the the stretch down to signing day. Like right now, man, it's March. We got plenty of time. If we want to get Max Ray back into the fold, we got plenty of time to to continue to recruit him and bring him back in the fold. If, you, if we have our eyes on other other guys, we have plenty of time to try to land them. I'm just not ready to freak out about it right now. And if we don't end up getting him, okay, I I, I still think we'll be fine. Um, all right, so let's move on to Riley Ridley really quick here before we get to some NCAA tournament talk. Uh, so in case you guys didn't hear, I'm sure you have by now. Riley Ridley. Uh, rested was he was booked around ten o'clock on Saturday night for possession of less than an ounce of marijuana. So, when, Kurt, what was your reaction when you first heard the, that news? Um, it was just unfortunate. Um, you know, it's one of those things that you could say, "Oh, he's losing control and everything." But let's be honest: if you're gonna let's be let's be very realistic, this happens. People that want to say, oh, these kids are bad kids that are doing that. This happens at every college, at, on every football team, at every university. Okay, I agree I agree with you. Okay, I absolutely 100% agree with you there. I will say this. Smoking weed doesn't make you a bad person. Okay, no. so I will def- I will say that. But it it shows a lack of personal responsibility when no. you know well, you I, can't – you're, you're, you're hurting your team. And you do, so I have a problem with that. I don't have a problem no, with you smoking I weed, dude. I, well, I, I mean, I, I think you should – I have a problem with, it, with the responsibility – um, you know, you're you're got to, You're supposed to be held accountable. You're supposed to be smart about these things because it's not, not just not, about you. It's about a team. Exactly. So you know, it's it's one of those things where I I just point that out because people try to you know anyone that acts surprised about this, they're then they're being very naive to actually yes. what happens in college sports. Yeah, so I mean, it's just it's society in general, man. Dude, people smoke weed. Okay, like I'm not sitting here. I'm not trying to condone it or whatever, but it it's it's cultural, man, and it's. It's pervasive. Let's just say that it is pervasive, and most most of the people just like it's not a big deal anymore. It used to be, but it, technically, it's still against the law, right? Yeah, and it's exactly. Against... That's the thing. It's it's more common than it has, but it's still considered illegal. So in that context, they have to be smarter because they're 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 like you said, it's it's not just on them, but it hurts the team. Like those times, uh, when Alec Ogletree and Rambo were both spending four years, or I mean four games, their senior their last year yeah, that they were in school. That killed us because it didn't just kill, you know it hurt them, but it really killed the team. 
It hurts, man. It it absolutely freaking hurts. So look, I'm not mad at the dude for smoking pot. Okay, that's fine. I'm mad at you for being dumb enough and irresponsible enough to do this to your team. I agree. So that my first reaction, I was just like, dude, are you freaking kidding me? Because this it always seems to happen. Like here, here I was thinking we got through spring break without any kind of suspension, any kind of arrest, and then right at the tail end. This happens. And it's for less than an ounce of weed, which is like, and, and oh like my you God. Said, it's not like he was actually on vacation when this happened. No. Like, oh it's just like, God. I mean, come on, man. Do you think he misses a game? I would say one game. I think he misses no more than one well, game. Well, look at the, 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 the student athlete handbook at the University of Georgia, which we know to be a, more strict than any other program in the country for a first fence. It is ten percent of your regular season, which equates to one game for football. So, do you think that we're going to stick by that, or does Kirby try to ram through a change here and, and get something done? I think it's a little bit. Of, you know, I think at most he misses one game, but if there is a possibility, he misses none. I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. Well, well, okay, well, that's what I want to talk about. So, he, he's not going to miss for this one offense. He's not going to miss more than one game because the student athlete handbook says ten percent of your games, which come out to one point two games, which will round down to one game. That's been our. That's been what we've been doing going back to the Rick Dare. So, do you, but I'm, I'm guessing I'm asking, do you think that he's actually going to have to serve a suspension? Because our student handbook, our policy says, yes, you do. But we got a new sheriff in town who's been changing some things, or spending, he's been, well, I, I should say, like things like spending habits, uh, hiring, or expanding our, our coaching staff, our support staff, all of this kind of coincided with the arrival of Kirby Smart. So, does Kirby try to use some of his influence and some of his behind the scenes power, some of the big brokers to try to. I don't know, maybe some way ram something down the throat of See, University I, of Georgia Athletic Department to change this policy? What I can envision happening is what happened with, uh, wow, my mind with like big D tackle. Um, D tackle? Julian Rochester. Oh, oh, Rochester, right. You know, what he did, yeah, the charges got lowered and everything, but he was still charged with, or, you know, what I. But it wasn't a drug offense. It was no, a vandalism, no, which is not explicitly spelled out. There was some leeway when it came to the vandalism and, and destruction of property or whatever, the BB shooting BBs in, into the wall. There's no, some I, leeway there. There's not I any leeway with weed. What I envision happening is us, him entering a pretrial program. And it's one of those things that if you enter into a pretrial program and you do everything that that's asked of you, then the charges, on a, it's one of those where the charges will be gone. I could see them, because it happened so early, them saying, if you go into your pretrial program and do what you're supposed to, then we won't suspend you. I don't know about that, man. Because every other case, I, I hope I hope to God you're right. But every other time I, this has saying, happened. Because like you said, Kirby is from a different thing. Like in Alabama. But it's not up to Kirby. That's the thing. It's Mr. Magoo and the rest of the athletic department there, Greg McGarity. I, I, oh, I agree. But this is where you're going to see instances like this are where you're going to see if Kirby actually has the pool that he's going to pass. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, well, you're going to have to see, right? I mean, I, th- I, I, think my, I don't want to say it's going to be a showdown. I'm not going to try to build a drama like that. I mean, it's an ounce of weed, but I don't think – I think this could be an impetus to try to get that policy changed, saying, hey, our guy's going to miss a game because of less than an ounce of weed. Like, who, who is he hurting? So I, I think that could be an impetus to say, hey, we need to change this. Because you know Kirby, you know Kirby's trying to change behind the scenes, right? You know that. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at Ledbetter. Uh, Ledbetter. I mean, yeah, he was suspended for the six games. But it, the thing was that he approached it a different way, saying he had a problem and trying to get him help instead. Like, and that's the well, that was, Yeah, that was a totally different scenario. Because, I mean, Ledbetter, I mean, you are really close to that situation. I mean, he had a legit problem, right? Yeah, and the, well, that's the thing, though. That's how Alabama treats the most things, too. Because if the kids are doing it, then they do have a problem. Let's be honest. I mean, even if we say it's common, it's common enough where they're relying on it or need it or stuff like that. Ah, uh, so maybe. It's, well, I mean, they have the habit of doing it. They're, then they try to say, well, they, we want to break that habit. Okay, fair enough. Like they say, Alabama, like, you know, like, look at Cam Robinson. He wasn't suspended a single game. Well, Tim Williams came out at the... At the uh, NFL Combine last weekend, and openly said, "Yeah, I failed multiple drug tests." So he came out. He said, "Look, I know that you guys have searched through my background. You know everything about me. So I'm just before you ask me about trying to trap me, I'm just going to tell you point blank, flat out, up front here that I failed multiple drug tests. At Alabama. Did Tim Williams miss any games for failing drug tests? Nope, not one, 
not one. So clearly we are not playing on a level playing field when it comes to suspending players and drug testing and our policies there. But that's we our have, own doing. That's what pisses me off. It's our own doing. Field in years, honestly. I know, and, and and we keep trying to you know get this uniform drug testing policy passed where every team has to abide by the same drug testing policy and the same suspension policy. Well, it's never going to freaking happen. They're not. Well, they're not going to come to our level. Not everyone else in the league is not going to say, you know what. Let's do what George is doing. They're they're doing they're doing it the right way. You know they're holding their players accountable. Let's just throw away what we're doing and let's suspend guys on the very first offense. That's not going to happen. If anything happens, we're going to come down to them. So my question, I guess, is, let's look at the, at a bigger issue more than just Riley Ridley individually. Do we need to revisit the drug policy? Uh, I think so because, like we said, I mean, as, even though it's illegal, I think there's better ways to approach it than just straight up. And for, you know, requiring a suspension well, right away. And here's the thing. Obviously, it's not deterring anyone. The suspension is supposed to be a deterrent, right? Yeah. So is it deterring anyone? Honestly. Maybe a few like people, it. but it's not solving the problem. And I, I, so I, I, I don't know. I just think it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that people get suspended over weed. It's ridiculous that marijuana is not legal. But I know it's not, so he was an idiot and got caught and did this. And I guess if there's consequences, he's got to go with it. I just – I think – Number one, I think he's going to miss a game because I, even though Kirby might be able to use this as a chance to try to revise this policy, I guess to a degree, I don't think you can revise it after the fact of the arrest. And no, and I think I also want to point out one thing. I think that's stopping it a lot of the time is the same, um, the same, you know, alumni who like hearing some of that terrible music we have at games. <laughs> You mean the old fogies? Yeah, because they. Sorry if you're out there, guys. The, you mean the, the, you mean the, the hey, sit down crowd? You mean that crowd? Yeah, I can't see the game. <laughs> yeah, that crowd. Sorry, I know we're alienating probably half our listener base. Sorry, guys. Don't mean to, to be hateful, but I mean, yeah, I, I I see you. I hear you, man. I don't know. So I guess I do think he misses the game. Let's recap here. I do think he misses the game because it's in the policy right now. It might help us be able to change it for guys who get arrested for weed possession in the future, but I think since this was the policy that was in place when Riley gets arrested, he's going to miss a game. Uh, I do think we need to revisit the drug policy because it's in—it's just insane that we do this to ourselves, and I don't—it's not changing. If it was doing something to really deter people to do it, and we had no marijuana arrest, then okay, I get it. It's it's working, but it's it's not working. People are still going to—they're still doing this. They're still getting caught. They're still getting arrested. And here's the other thing, too, that drives me insane. It's the it's the PR aspect of this, right? Like it's it, this is the part. It's so ironic. Like we try to hold ourselves to this higher standard, right? And to show the world that hey, we're Georgia, we're better than you. We do it the right way. This holier than thou attitude. We suspend guys on their very first offense. But that's not what people see. The general feeling of rival fan bases out there is that we are a bunch of thugs because we do have all these suspensions. And all this makes the media, it all makes the news. It, it, it's bigger news because when one of our guys gets arrested for, for pot possession or whatever it is, they're automatically suspended. So in the news, when it comes to PR, we are taking a hit. We look like a bunch of thugs that are out of control. And we have guys that aren't, that, that they're bad dudes, they're bad guys. When the reality is, we're trying to hold our guys to a higher standard. We are trying to be better than everyone else. But it doesn't look like that to the general public. It doesn't. So it's killing us. It's the PR battle is killing us. We're losing that. We're losing guys on the field because they're suspended. So all the way around, it's a lose-lose scenario with this drug testing policy. Am I crazy here? No, I agree because like you said, then that's why there's always think, oh, Mark Rick lost control of this program. And it's not we were actually we're disciplining our guys. We're actually trying to hold them accountable. But the perception out there among everyone else is that our program's out of control. We have all these arrests, all these suspensions. What are they doing over at Georgia? All those thugs. It could not be farther from the truth. But the optics look bad because of the policy. We've got to, we just got to change it, man. And, and it, when you set it that high, but you put yourself in a tough position. It's hard to get, when you have the policy set at a, at a suspension for your first offense, it's hard to go down from there. Because then you look like you're lo- you're lo- loosening your standards, and people are like, well, Georgia, you know, now they are. They're trying to create this thug culture. So, mistake number one was setting it at that standard in the first place, and it's we've kind of put ourselves back into the wall where it's hard to change that. I don't know. It's very it's just very frustrating for me, man. It just drives me freaking crazy. We want to be a big time program, but we're not willing to do what it takes to be a big time program. 
pisses me off. I mean, I know we're changing the spending habits to a degree, but we're still way behind in so many areas when it comes to facilities. We're way behind when it comes to these drug testing policies and all in the suspension policies. It's just it's crazy, man. And Kirby's got to. I mean, I hope he can work his magic, and he, but he's got to be successful in the field to kind of build that cachet to where he can have enough influence to change these things. I mean, Saban couldn't change those things, at Alabama, unless he had the cachet, and he had the cachet. All right, so I'll get off my soapbox there. Just frustrating. But let's move on quickly here to this NCAA tournament talk. We spent a little bit longer on those first two topics than I thought we would. So we'll try to get through the tournament talk a little more quickly for you guys here. All right, Kurt. All right, uh, let's talk about the NCAA tournament. And guys, look, we, I mean, we started recording this show, what, at 6.35 Sunday night, something like that. So the bracket literally just came out, and I tried to fill one out in like three minutes. So this is a very preliminary look at a, at the tournament and what we have. I, I definitely, I don't know about you, Kerb, I'm going to reserve the right to change my mind. Does that sound cool? Oh, yeah. Because I have really not gotten to look at this in, in depth at all. I've watched a ton of basketball all season preparing for this moment to talk about it, but I haven't actually got a chance to look that closely at the bracket. We want to put together a show for you guys as you're trying to f- fill out your brackets and maybe give you guys a little bit of insight into what was going on. So, Kerb, I'm going to start with this question with the NCAA tournament. Is there a clear favorite in your mind? Um, honestly, no, because while um, I think, in my opinion, that all the brackets are pretty even, like, while some brackets may be a little bit more stacked than others, there's good teams throughout all four all four. Regions. There are. I think the South is probably the most stacked. If you're looking just on the surface, you're looking at some of those teams, like, yeah, North Carolina is the one seed, yeah, Kentucky is a two, UCLA is a three, I mean, those are three traditional blue bloods. Butler's a week four in that, in that, in that uh, bracket, though. Wichita State is a ten. In the South region, that's crazy. That Wichita State should be a five seed. Well, see, that's a flip of that year. Wichita State was undefeated and lost to Kentucky. And yep. Kentucky was ranked lower than they should have been, so it might be a flip in that aspect. Yeah, Kentucky, them. well, that shouldn't factor in. But you, I mean, it, it's odd no, there. Well, it it, shouldn't it's, factor in. But, but you're right. It's, it's just odd. It's an odd coincidence that they're going to be matched up potentially matched up in the second round again. It's a very odd coincidence. Yeah. Um. But is there one team that stands out to you? Like, man, that's a team that's probably the favorite. I mean, I I, I do think that both. All four regions are uh, – I don't think there's one that's dominant in terms of who it's stacked with. I think the South is maybe the closest to it. But is there a team that stands out you're like, yeah, you know what, I think that's a team that's probably going to cut down the nets. I mean, I'm a homer in, in, in aspects for the basketball. But, you know, I, I think Carolina has a chance to go at it. But at the same time, um, you know, I'm not – I think Bill – well, I think Villanova's good. I think that the problem with them is they're going to be facing a hot Duke team. So Duke is so hot, man. Yeah, exactly, and that's going to be their problem on that side. Um, and then Gonzaga, I don't. Uh, I'm just going to go through the ones, but I don't see Gonzaga making a run either, because the thing is, um, I I, I see. I don't think that Vandy's a dangerous Arizona. potential matchup in the second yeah, round. Yeah, Vandy in the second round. And They're I hot. Arizona, Talk about hot teams. And I think Arizona's also a better team than um, them. I think Kansas has a chance to make a run, but they're also in a, have a very tough second-round game against Miami. I don't. I, I got Miami knocking off Kansas. I don't like Kansas. I don't. I, I, I think... I, I think the Big 12 is weaker than everyone else. They're, they're crazy. They got, they got two really good veteran guards in Graham and Frank Mason. Frank Mason is probably the player of the year in the, in the entire country, but they got no front-court presence whatsoever. And I mean, Josh Jackson's a really good... Diaper dandy, true freshman, but man, I, Kansas is—they've been getting. I know they won what the 13 straight Big 12 title, but you're, you're right. You said the Big 12 has been is weaker than it has been in the past, but also a lot of those wins. I mean, we're talking about razor thin wins. They won them, but they were not. It wasn't a dominant run through the Big 12 through the 13 straight title. That uh, team, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I of all I the mean, one seats, I think they're the most vulnerable. Yeah, I think they're the most vulnerable of the one seats. I got them going out to Miami in the second round. I think Miami's Miami's got they're pretty good. Uh, they got some guys that can shoot the ball. They got some they got some older guys too. They got some vets. They got this little dude from Australia. He's got like a, a, a Serbian name, but he's from Australia. Yeah, the backup sh- guy. Yeah, Vasilovic. Vasilovic, dude, he can shoot lights out, man. Dude's money. And see, they, uh, see the difference with them too is Kansas is not a great three point shooting team, other than. Um, than Frank, Frank Mason. I mean, Graham's yeah, Frank, had a subpar year shooting threes. And Miami can shoot a lot of threes. And Jim Laranega's a really good coach, man. 
Uh, he's a really good coach. I, I, like, I like Miami over Kansas. I really do. I think Miami has the ability to take Kansas out. They're long. They're athletic. They, they can defend. I, 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 I really – I'm actually I'm, – I'm going to go on record and say I'm going to pick that right now. Miami over Kansas in the second round. Uh, I guess for me, though, I don't think there is an overwhelming favorite. No, see, that's the thing. I don't – right now I don't look – like last year I saw Carolina and Villanova on a crash course. Let me – okay, let me go through the teams. I'm, I'm going to go through like the top four seeds t- – and I'm gonna just give you a name, give you a team, and tell me if you think they have a, if they have a just say yes if you think they have a legit shot to win. No, if you don't think they have a legit shot to win the whole thing. All right, I'll start with Villanova. Yeah, yes. yeah, they, they got a legit shot. Gonzaga. No, I see. I don't either. I don't think Gonzaga does either. I, mean, I think Vandy could potentially beat them. West Virginia could upset them. Then you got. But the thing for me is they got to face. If they get to the Elite Eight, they're gonna probably mash up with Arizona. And Arizona is freaking crazy good. West Virginia or Notre Dame is tough because both of those are very good. Well, West Virginia, it depends on when you get West Virginia. If you get West Virginia like on short rest, like let's say you play on Friday and you play them again on and you play again on Sunday, if you have one day in between prepare for West Virginia and their their full court press, the press Virginia, you are at a major disadvantage. But in this scenario, they would have almost a full week to prepare for West Virginia if they ended up playing West Virginia. So. I, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Notre Dame is good though too. I mean, if, if Notre Dame's guys are hitting, they're shooters. They can beat anybody because they got a bunch of guys who can shoot lights out. And, I'm, and when it comes to the NCAA tournament, number one for me, it's all about guard play. It's all about guard play. Do you have guards when the when the clock is winding down that can just make a play? Do you have? It doesn't mean you you don't need to have a good guy down the post to rebound the ball and get you some easy buckets. Of course you do. It helps. Doesn't mean you don't need to play good defense. Of course you need to be able to, be able to play good defense. But if there's one factor, if you look at the I mean the last decade or so in the, in the NCAA tournament, you've got to have dominant guard play. You got to have. And Notre Dame has a really good guard play. If Notre Dame's got experience, they've been to two, what two sweet elite eights or something the last couple of years. Yeah. And not only that, but. People have to sell the fact that they do play in the ACC. Notre Dame is a good basketball program, man. They're a much better basketball program than they are a football program right now. They At are. The moment, I, mean, I agree. That's the last five or six years. That's the truth, man. I know they made one. I guess so they made the the title game a couple years back in football, but since that point, their basketball program has been a much better program. I mean, like you said back to back elite eights. Uh, you can get to the championship game, in the ACC tournament this year against Duke. All right, so we said. Villanova, Gonzaga, Arizona. Yes, I, I absolutely. I'm a spoiler alert. I got Arizona winning the whole thing. That team is crazy good. They got everything, man. They got shooters. They got guys that can penetrate. They got uh, a stretch five. They got guys that can play down in the post. They play really good defense. I mean, they are clicking right now. I mean, Arizona is a scary good team right now. Kansas. No. You don't think they could do it? I mean, they could, but I just. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't buy Kansas right now. You have to have more than one shooter to win, and to me, they don't have another guy other than Frank Mason that scares them in threes. Yeah, and let's kind of change the question here. So instead of saying you think they have a legit chance, so that can mean a lot of things. I mean, Kansas has a legit chance; they're a one seed. Let's just say, do you trust them or do you not? Okay, so I yeah. give you a team to say yes, you trust them. No, don't trust them. So Kansas, you don't trust. No, I don't. I, I am with you. I don't trust them either. Uh, so another one, see North Carolina. Yes, I want to say yet. Yeah, I think on paper, on paper, North Carolina and Arizona are the two most talented teams in the tournament. But North Carolina, even though they're, I mean, they're crazy talented. If you look at who they've got, you know, you got Josh Jackson, ACC Player of the Year. You've got not Twin Towers, but Kennedy Meeks, Isaiah Hicks down low. This is a really talented team, and Theo Pinson, since he's made his, he came back from injury and has really given this team a lift. Honestly, like looking at them on paper, I don't know how they lose a game. Do you ever get that? Like, look at them. Like, how do you lose? Um, I guess. I, I but, but look at look at how talented that team is. I, I honestly, how do they lose? They shouldn't lose games, but they do, and that's why I don't know if I trust them. I think they're really talented. I just don't know if I trust them when it comes down to it. What do, you, what do you think about their point guard play in North uh, Carolina? Joel, I mean, I agree, but I think right now you look at it, especially in the ACC tournament, if Joel Berry doesn't make that mistake, then they, they beat Duke. But they didn't. They lose two out of three to Duke. But I'm still saying I, I still think that they're a better team 
that can, I, I have faith in them to make it. I mean, especially one of these things, I hate to say it, but it, when you lose in the tournament, it makes you a little bit more hungry. Yeah, I mean, that that could definitely be the case. I just, I don't think they always play up to their level of talent. And that, that concerns always, me. But I, I think that... But you can say that about a lot of teams here. in this, uh, Basically every team in the tournament. I guess you, you could definitely say that. But I just think that they're really talented. And I just don't think... But they don't always play up to that level. But I can see why you would trust them. All right, Kentucky. No. You don't trust them. I don't trust them either, man. I mean... The reason I don't trust Kentucky is they they get behind the eight ball a lot of the time. And you can't afford to do that in, in the tournament. Well, if Monk play, if he's shooting lights out and being Malik Monk, they're really tough to beat. Especially if Fox plays as well as he did in the SEC tournament this past weekend. But there's they don't play good defense, man. They really don't. And let's just be real. That team, as talented as they are, they take plays off sometimes. They they just do. Um, and Adeboyo is good down low, but outside of Adeboyo, they don't really have another post presence that if he gets in foul trouble and needs a breather, you know, Isaac Humphreys doesn't do anything for me. I mean, you got Derek Willis, but Derek Willis is a perimeter. I mean, he's a stretch five that plays on the perimeter. He doesn't get down there and bang. So, no, exactly. That's why I think it's, especially, you know, it depends who they can match up with, but they may have trouble with teams. Like, yeah, they beat Carolina earlier this year, but you also saw Monk go off 47 points. Um, You can't rely on that to happen all the time in the tournament in every big game. Yeah, what about Duke? You trust Duke? I think they're a hot team, um, it, but it really comes down to who they play on the second day of the tournament. Let me ask you this, though. What do we say the number one factor in the NCAA tournament is for success in the NCAA tournament? What is it? Uh, guard play. Guard play. And they don't have much. What? I, I, I'm what? What? You're crazy, dude. Duke has insanely good guard play. They have great guard play, but the problem is at times they go out there with no true point guard. They, okay, they don't have a true point guard. I will say that. Grace Dow essentially is playing the point for them. No, and Gra- that's what I'm saying. When I, think they, I think they have great shooters at guard, but I don't know if they have great guard play all around. I don't know, man. Like, Okay, they don't have a true point guard, but they, they basically play a four-guard lineup. They got... I, but the thing about Duke is, and what hurts them all the time, yeah, they'll make a run every couple of years, but they have a huge history of yeah, they've get knocked out early on when they shouldn't have. Well, no, but not and not only that, but sometimes, but even when they get go against teams who's playing some good defense, they go cold very, very quickly in the tournament. Okay, but they're not a pure jump shooting team. This team can put the ball on the floor and get to the rim. I mean, Jason Tatum, he might be the best player in America. Like, just pure talent-wise? I mean, yeah, they can go to the rim a lot, but at the same time, they while they do it, they still rely on their threes to get them. I mean, that, that's, that, yeah, that, that is their bread and butter, but I love this Duke team, and I, I'm, I think Luke Kennard got robbed. He should have been the ACC Player of the Year, not not Jackson from North Carolina. He had a really good year, but Luke Kennard is a baller, man. I love Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard is a straight scorer. He is so good. He can score. I mean, he, he, yeah, he's crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's got every offensive shot in the book, man. So I, I love their guard play. I think they're really, really good right now. I think they're a dangerous team. I, I just, I think they can score with anybody. They don't play the best defense in the country, but good enough. And if you look at the quality wins on their schedule, they have better quality wins than anyone in America. And they've beaten some really good teams. Beaten some really good teams. I don't know. I really like Duke right now. Uh, okay, quickly. So UCLA. No. I think I do. I think I do. They don't play. They don't play a lick of defense either. But they the they can outscore the, anybody in America. In the tournament, you gotta play defense. Well, they. You, I think they can outscore. But you gotta them. score more than. I think being able to score, because college basketball now is all about offense. With all the rules they put in place now, I guess the emphasizing the hand checking stuff, kind of cleaning that out of the game. It's all about offense. You you basically can't even play defense in, in college basketball anymore. So for me, a, a good offensive team is going to beat a good defensive team any day of the week because the rules favor them. All right, you know, but I want to say this. You know who UCLA reminds me of? Who's that? Cal from last year. I think they're more talented. But yeah, I mean, Jalen Brown last year for Cal, and I was high on Cal coming to that tournament too, and they screwed me in yeah, the first they round. they screwed us both losing in the first round. Yeah, I had them going pretty deep. Yeah, they screwed me. So that's why I think they, they, I mean, while they can't score on anyone, so could Cal. But I think UCLA is a step above. They are the number one scoring offense in America. I, I don't disagree with that. I just, when you get to the tournament, there there comes a time where you have to have a lot of experience. Okay, I got you. All right, rapid fire with rapid fire with these. Uh, Louisville. No. Uh, Oregon. 
No. Uh, I would have said yes. I was really high on Oregon. I wanted, they were going to be one of my my picks to go to the Final Four. But with a Chris Boucher injury, it just takes the steam out, man. It takes the steam out. So I'm with you. I, I don't trust him right now with, with Boucher out. Um, who am I missing here? Let's go Florida State as a three. No. No way. No way for me. I think me. they're good, but they they're, have not. They have not the last couple weeks played up to. Yeah, they're kind of like North Carolina for me. They're really talented. Like Dwayne Bacon's a really talented player, but they're just not playing up to it right now. Baylor. No. No. They have no guard play. Okay, Manu Lacant is their only good guard, and he's he's coming off an injury. He he'll probably he'll be playing in the tournament, but I don't know how healthy he's going to be. And he even if he is healthy, he's their only guard. John the Motley. Uh, some of the guys that got down. Uh, I can't, I can't pronounce his, his name, Ashawil, or whatever his name is down low. Those are really good guys down the post, but it's about guard play, man. I just don't trust them. They don't have good enough guard play, so I don't trust Baylor at all. Uh, last one here, since we're in the SEC, we'll talk about Florida real quick. No. Yeah, I don't really either. I think they're good, but I think the loss of Igbunu will come and get them again. I, actually, I don't know. I think I think I do trust Florida. I, I don't know. I mean, they've lost the bandy the twice the last week yeah I don't know man you kind of convinced me there maybe I shouldn't trust Florida I hate Florida anyways Florida screw you I don't trust you anymore alright I had them potentially upsetting Nova changed my mind Nova. I think Virginia's team can get Nova trouble no Virginia will lose the first round dude Virginia's terrible they're, they're not they're terrible they play really good defense but they're terrible they can't they cannot score I agree, but that change of pace can really affect certain teams that haven't had to do it though. I do. I don't trust Virginia at all. I don't trust them, but I no. think they could upset. I, I think that's a five. That's a prime five twelve upset right there. UNC Wilmington over Virginia. Book it right now. All right. Speaking of five twelve upsets, let's talk about that real quick. Those are. Uh, those are always, of course, the hot button ones, uh, the ones that get a lot of attention because of the frequency with which the 12 seeds knock off the 5 seeds. What 5-12 upsets do you like? I like UNC Wilmington over Virginia. I watched UNC Wilmington in their championship game last week in the Colonial, and it's a good team, man. I think I really, I feel confident saying they're going to beat Virginia. I'm probably totally wrong, but I think they're going to beat Virginia. Is there any other 5-12s you're looking at? Um, you got Notre Dame and Princeton. You've got Iowa State, Nevada, and Minnesota, Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee being I think 12. Middle Tennessee, Minnesota. you got to think Middle Tennessee, if I remember correctly, is a team that knocked Michigan State out last year. Yeah, it's a good basketball team this year. 30-4 and four overall this year. A lot of the same and guys back. Giddy Potts is back. a pretty decent team. I think they also have a lot of problems. Well, they're, they Okay, Minnesota's a good team, but the Big Ten is on, terrible. And they rely on three-point shooting like crazy. They do. They Yeah, they're very three-point reliant. But the Big Ten was just a, a very subpar conference. I mean, they're – Top seed, uh, well, I think Purdue ended up with a four seed. That was the highest seeded team for them in the tournament. Uh, they, they, it was it was an okay conference, but there was no really good team. So I don't know how good Minnesota is. I'm with you there. I, think I like Middle Tennessee over Minnesota, but I also like UNC Wilmington over Virginia. Do you have any other, uh, not necessarily a five twelve, but any other big upsets to call for? Maybe a, a thirteen over a four, fourteen I think over Florida, a three. Uh, Young City can give uh, FSU a run. Yeah, I'm. I really think they could too, man. That game's in Orlando. Woo! Florida State's really talented, but they don't. They haven't been playing well lately. They really haven't. I don't know that. That's one to look out for. I'm trying to look here. Uh, Bucknell, West Virginia. No, nah, I don't like that one. Winthrop or Butler? No. Nah. Vermont or Purdue? No. Nah. Iron or Oregon? No. I'd say it's about it for me too. There. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see real quickly here. Who is I'm, let's talk about sleep, give me a sleeper team? Who is the biggest sleeper team in this tournament? I would define a sleeper team as a eight to sixteen seed. Which team eight through eight seeded eight through sixteen? Do you think can make a run? Let's say at least to the Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight. Wichita State. Ooh, as a ten seed, they got screwed, man. That that is absurd that they were a ten seed. Man, I watched that team a couple times this year. That is a five to six seed quality level I, team. That coach is one of the best coaches in America. Yeah, Greg Marshall is a complete jerk, but he's a really good basketball coach. Yeah, okay, I like I like Wichita State. Uh, man, for me, this is a tough one, dude. I really like, I like that Wichita State pick. They kind of stole that from me. I would I would say VCU. I think VCU was seated way too low as a 10 seed also. They have a matchup with Arizona in the second round. I think Arizona's got that one locked up. Oh, man. Put me on. Put myself on the spot here. I'm going Miami. They're right. They're an eight seed. I got them beating Kansas. I got the. Then I got them beating Iowa State right now. 
in the Sweet 16 and going to the Elite Eight. So, boom, Miami. Book it. I'm just kidding. Don't book it. Please, do not bet any money based on what I say. All right, Kurt, let's wrap this up here real quick. Give me your final four. Duke, Arizona, UNC, and um, ooh, oh, I, 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 I really struggle with the Midwest, too. Um, Midwest. I'm possibly going to go with... Uh, I know. I feel the same way about the Midwest, man. I would have said Oregon, but the injury to Boucher knocks him out for me. Maybe Louisville. I don't think Louisville will do it, but I just don't see a team. Yep. Louisville plays great defense. Yeah, th- that's that's exactly what I I have Louisville at the Midwest, and I don't feel good about it at all. Like I I watched Louisville a ton of times over the season, and I kept saying, man, this is a team that's not. I, I don't. This is not a great basketball team. They don't score that easily. Donovan Mitchell's a really good guard for them. Quinn Snyder's an okay point guard. They got a lot of length up front, but not, not no dominant players there. But they do play good defense. They um they they turn you over. They're very aggressive. Uh, but still, I, I don't feel confident with them in the Final Four. But looking at that region, I don't like Kansas out of that region. I really liked Oregon coming into the tournament with Boucher's injury. I don't really like Oregon. So I'm going with Louisville there too. So my Final Four, I got Duke coming out of the East. They're hot right now. I, I'm going to stick to it. It's, the tournament's all about guard play more so than anything else, any, than any other one factor. Duke's got guards galore. I know they don't have a true point guard. But they can light you up. They can put the ball on the floor. Jason Tatum is crazy talented. I don't think there's a, a better offensive player in America than Luke Kennard right now. Uh, I really like him, man. I, I like Duke going to the Final Four there. But I also have Arizona and UCLA. So Duke, Louisville, Arizona, UCLA for me. Who do you have cutting down the nets when it's all said and done? I'm going Carolina this time. I think they finished what they missed last year. I could totally see that happen. I, I and I could see them in the Final Four. I just have use. I just didn't want to go all chalk, I guess, and put UCLA in there. I got Arizona, man. I think Arizona is playing lights out right now. Those guys have kind of put it all together. Lonzo Trier missed the first part of the season, for most of the uh, really the first half of the season with this PED suspension, uh, coming back from a car wreck, and somebody giving him some medicine, trying to help him get better, and it was banned deer antelope urine or something i don't know man something crazy but he's back and he's finally gotten to the rhythm and he's playing really good basketball right now laurie markinen is a dirt Nowitzki clone out there on the court a big stretch five guy seven footer that can shoot threes like crazy um you got chance comanche down low man you got dusan ristic down there you've got kadeem allen locking people up on defense that is a really good basketball team and i'm going to arizona all the way in this one all right, guys, so there you have it. Very preliminary NCAA tournament talk. We had about five minutes to look over all this before we got into it, but hope you enjoyed it. We definitely appreciate you guys checking in with us today. Make sure you're uh, subscribing to us on iTunes or TuneIn, whatever other source, other platform out there that works best for you, whether you're an iPhone or Droid user, and uh, just help us out there. And we will have another Friday edition, a special edition show for those platforms exclusively. But uh, check back with us later this week. We'll have another show here on Dollar Sports Radio. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. As always, go dogs.